five years ago today, Sunday the 1st of March, it being a leap year, it kind of worked out that way, a couple of leap years in the process, I was driving in my car at round about this time. I was driving from Northampton to Linfield, having preached my last service there. I'd packed the few remaining items into the car, shoved my uh, church and old man's keys through the letterbox of an elder who happened to be out that afternoon. And I made the journey. I was not heading off into the wilderness. I'd already been here for a week before that. There was a bit of overlap. I came here and then I went up there and then I, a week later, came back. We'd already moved into Rycroft. Boxes were already unpacked. It was a known setting. But yet there was still a sense of unknown before me. As Jesus is led forward to a time of fasting and of prayer, I wonder how much he was aware of what lay before him. Aged about 30, quite a bit younger than me, he was, for the day, no longer a young man, perhaps more middle-aged. But he knew his destiny was to honour his Holy Father's will, whatever that meant. His very presence in the wilderness is at God's direction. He has been brought here not by Satan, not by the tempter, but by the Holy Spirit. And it's brought there in preparation for what lies ahead. And his journey in some way sort of offers a bit of a, a replay of the Israelites' journey after the Exodus. They're wondering, they're questioning their 40 years. During that time, they were in a, a period of trial. Were they faithful to God? And they were repeatedly found to be wanting. Jesus' own responses are based upon scripture of that earlier wilderness journey. The three answers are, are texts drawn from Deuteronomy, which speak of things like the, the testing at Massa and the manna that they were fed with each day. The Israelites were not faithful. They failed repeatedly, but Jesus passes with flying colours. The evil one 
may have the desire to test Jesus to destruction. He may want to seek Jesus' failure. But the initiative is not with Satan. This is God's timing. This is a place that God has chosen. This is all set up such that Jesus will succeed. And indeed he does. On occasions where the evil one seeks to tempt us, there is a way out. There is a path forward. There is a decision that can be taken, which means a sin is not committed. The Israelites in the wilderness often fail to take that path. Jesus does not. He goes God's way. I wonder when we have in the wilderness which we choose to follow. The easy way? The way that we might think is to our benefit? Though, of course, giving into sin, although maybe giving a short-term gain, uh, is not a long-term success story. Truth in this life, or on the day of judgment, will reveal our decisions when we make those wilderness choices. Jesus was not accompanied by others during this time of trial. Um, And so we have to uh, imagine that what we have here in Matthew and what we also have in Luke, though the questions are in a slightly different order, um, suggest that Jesus taught the disciples what had been before him, how he had been challenged and how he had moved forward. Quite when Jesus shared that news, that report, and what they made of it is unknown. It must have been incredible to hear and what important teaching it is for them and for us. There are three points that I I want us to try and pick up that that sort of come out of each individual question as well as the three questions together. And the first point we we realise from the passage as we approach it tonight is that um, the tempter expects us to seek personal gain, to satisfy our hunger whenever we want it. Simply demand a miracle, because God can do miracles. You can have the riches of the world. The riches are there. But God's way is not about greed or lust or coveting or seeking power 
or earthly riches. Indeed, the, the scriptures of old make this clear in the Ten Commandments. When we go God's way, it's not about our gain. One of the uh, Sunday papers, um, not that I, I don't buy Sunday papers and I don't generally buy a newspaper, but I, the BBC News website tends to print what the front pages are. And I can get the whole lot of them. And you get quite a good perspective. One of the Sunday papers, and I can't remember which one, um, today uh, reports that uh, a government special advisor uh, was suggesting that uh, we don't really need agriculture or fisheries in this country. Um, It was a leaked uh, memo saying that we could just simply be like Singapore and just import everything. Who needs farms? It'd be far more profitable to simply buy it in and use the land for other purposes. It sounds like a route to a quick buck and not a very sensible path forward. When something is too good, when something is dangled there like a mighty giant carrot before us, saying, ooh, this is lovely, do we grasp at it even when it seems too good to be true? even when everything we know, everything we are sure of, actually suggests we should do something else. I'm not sure that giving up farming in a country or putting it at the bottom of our agenda is a very good idea. (laughs) The second point builds on uh, this idea uh, of, of greed and how we ask for things. And it's about our relationship to God. Who is called to be whose servant? Is God our servant or are we the servants of God. Do we click our fingers and demand what we want and expect God to bring it before us on a silver platter? Or should we seek to desire what God wants us to do? It's more than personal greed. In each of the tests, Satan, the enemy of God, wants Jesus to use prayer and spiritual power such that it dishonours the Heavenly Father. The power of God is to bring salvation. The power of God is to seek 
the righteousness and justice of the kingdom. The power of God is God's. And it is to serve him, not what we want. The third element in the passage shows that the the tempter is rather selective with his words. He chooses to take scripture and to twist truth. Now, of course, we, we probably are well familiar with that. It's what happens the very first time that we see the tempter employing his trade. Right back in Genesis with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Eve's encounter there leads her astray because words are taken and twisted. And she, rather than relying on what she does know, goes along with what the tempter offers. And then, of course, Adam does too. God's word is taken and used out of context. Knowing the Bible's scripture and the verse it comes from is not enough of itself. Simply being able to recite parrot fashion doesn't necessarily do us any good. It might have uses at some time, but when we're tempted, when we're in a time of trial, when we're struggling, it doesn't. It's not enough. And we might go, oh, that sounds right, doesn't it? But we have to understand the wider meaning of the scripture too. We have to see how it is set within the great message of God's love for the world. You know, how many times, how many times I wonder when a meeting is smaller than expected, has the phrase, where two or three are gathered, been used? Simply saying, oh, well, we're here and we can worship God together. Yes, we can. We can worship God by ourselves if we want to. That's one of the great things God's welcoming to us whenever we're there. But used correctly, that verse is about discernment leading to prayer that will be answered. It's about seeking God's will. You know, and I do wonder when we use it, maybe say to justify being in a small number together. Have we actually considered whether that is God's will? Or have others discerned a different path that truly is of God? As God's people, 
may we know that evil can be resisted. May we know that we don't need to give in to temptation. May we, in the the times that we find ourselves in a wilderness and are a bit lost, actually seek to turn to God and to his word. And for the power that comes out of that, speaking of love, speaking of hope, speaking of forgiveness, speaking of strength. And so then journey forward in a sacrificial way of Jesus, not delighting in riches, but turning to God's glory. As we travel through a wilderness, may we always be God's people, trusting in him favourably. For in him we find great favour. I arrived here and one of the things on the agenda for my first few weeks was going to be the walk of witness on a Good Friday. And I looked at the route that was written of where we would go. And it said we would go along Duke's Road and into the wilderness. (laughs) And I thought, how appropriate. May we journey along that sort of wilderness and others too, but always know God is there with us.